out from his coffin, Drax's voice did ring. Seems he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and said, What ever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's Hello there. Those you are listening to the Quarter to Three movie podcast for Dark Shadows. Uh, my name is Tom Chick, and I am here this week with Christian Mirkowski. Please call me Vicky. And with a Dark Shadows tagline, Kelly Wand. I only have a catchphrase. I don't have a tagline. Catchphrases are just so as interested. good as taglines, and we are we're definitely still interested. So, Kelly Wand, if you were tasked with a catchphrase for Dark Shadows, what would you submit? The darker the shadow, the sweeter the juice. <laughs> Not sure that'll pass the censors, but we'll see. Canadian censors are more liberal. Is that your can antidote for this week? No, my candidate's endless. We'll save it for later. All right. So stand by for that. But in the meantime, Kingus, without spoiling anything in Dark Shadows, because maybe some of folks, maybe folks listening haven't seen it yet, so we don't want to spoil any plot points or reveals or exciting twists. So don't don't ruin any of that, Dingus. But beyond that, straightforward, just tell people what we saw this week and maybe a little bit about it. Okay. Well, this week we saw Dark Shadows, mm. a 2012 American comedy fantasy movie about a vampire returning to his home to fix it up. Why oh, you oh. say it like that? What are you trying to say? About Canada. What are you saying? Uh, Canada is part of America. I don't know if you didn't... Whatever. Anyway, it was directed by Tim Burton and written by Seth Graham Smith, based on the 1966 television series by Dan Curtis. The movie stars Gulliver McGrath, Michelle Pfeiffer, Bella Heathcote, Helena Bonham Carter, Chloe Grace Moritz, Johnny Depp, and William Hope. Dark Shadows is rated PG-13 for comic horror violence. Mm. <laughs> Why is it Sex- different every week? It's always a new thing I've never heard of before. And they <laughs> comic never horror violence? Come on. Never happens. What about ar- arachnophobia? How's that? Comic horror violence, yeah? Maybe? Yeah, Murder, sure, death, kill. Uh, spider violence. Uh, the MPAA has many layers, Kelly Wong. I don't know yeah. if you have like that. Onion. Yeah, like an onion. Uh, so that uh, uh, sexual content, some drug use, language, and smoking. Mm. We cannot have that in a regular PG. Yeah, you know, I'm fine with the rating, actually. I'm not going to... Wait a minute. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yeah, this movie should be PG-13 if it's got smoking. I'm all for that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're the one says says when... No, no, now you're you're backpedaling, because you you, you normally say the one with smoking in it should be R-rated. Okay, do I? Really? Okay, in that case, yeah. Dark Shadows should be R-rated. I'm going to pin an angry missive to the MPAA. Allow me to dust off your soapbox for you. (laughs) That's right. Dear MPAA... You Tom may remember me <laughs> from last week about some other bullshit. He's equally retarded. Uh, I'm okay with 13-year-olds seeing smoking as long as they're accompanied by an adult who can explain to them. You know what? Actually, kids wait, wait, keep going. I want to hear what, what <laughs> your rule is. That smoking is bad and they shouldn't do it, okay. uh, and that it's it's dirty and Tell filthy her. and gives you lung cancer, even if it does make you look cool and maybe get you laid. I think those are all things that kids need to know when they see smoking in a movie. You're telling that to your daughter or your son, by the way? I'm telling it to children across America. Oh, okay. You don't, okay. Some of whom might listen to this podcast. So, kids, mm. keep that in Which mind. It's probably way worse than what you're really talking about. 
Uh, no, I'm okay with. I I really think if you if you're going to have smoking, I think I'm glad the MPAA singles that out by. Um, uh, you know, this is a period piece. This movie. I hope it didn't spoil anything. Uh, but I think if you see a movie set in 1972 or whatever, people should be smoking, and therefore the movie should be rated PG-13. How's that, Kelly Wand? Um, hmm. <laughs> I forgot what we were talking about. Well, in that case, let's talk about Dark Shadows. It made for its opening weekend $29 million. What? Yeah, no, how didn't. about that? Now, does no this way. More or let, like, I, I actually thought that was a little hot. Like, I'm surprised it. Yeah, well. I am too. Uh, now it didn't. Uh, Avengers is still going strong. It, it wasn't. It wasn't anywhere within striking distance of Avengers. Avengers, by the way, now holds the record for the number one opening weekend of all time and the number two weekend of all time. Uh, so Avengers, nobody can touch that. But Dark Shadows, number two, it made twenty nine million. Which I'm with you, Kelly Wan. I'm like, wow, it made that much. But consider. I don't know if you remember this. Last year, Alice in Wonderland, which is the last movie Johnny Depp did with Tim Burton. I didn't remember this, but that thing opened at like 115 million on its yeah. no, it freaking weekend. It's insane. Yeah, it, did. it, it was weird. Yeah, it was really weird. It was like a nightmare. Except so Kelly care. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nightmare. That's exactly. And forgot all about it. About, yeah, you feel apathy. We didn't stop. Right. We didn't um, stop. So I sort of feel like this is setting things in the balance. You, you know. Uh, I bet you know what's weird to me. The yeah. Avengers and Dark Shadows aren't that different. So that box office should be the same. You know what? Hold that thought. Let's get into that in a minute. But uh, I know two sources that would disagree with you, Kelly Wan, and they're named Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, which gauges oh, what percentage damn. of reviews are positive, for Dark Shadows, 42% of the reviews are positive, which, of course, means 58% are negative. That right there has me doing some some math. See the, pan- see the yeah. pants math. You just, it was 101% just now. It's like 53. Wait, no. There's no, there's no neutral? Hold on. Uh, let me do. No, it's Kelly wants. Totally. 5842. Don't even. Uh, I don't think. three, I thought. All right, never mind. Did I say, I don't know. At any rate, 42% negative. No. Now you screwed me up. 42% positive, 58% negative. But Wait. Medi- yeah, yeah. JK, that was fine. Okay. <laughs> okay, I think I got that right. I carried the one. Sorry. So, uh, Metacritic, which uh, gauges the average rating for reviews that give movies ratings, uh, Dark Shadows is at 56 on Metacritic. Oh. So there you go. Whereas Avengers wow. had considerably higher numbers than that, Kelly Wand. Fascinating stuff, all of it percentiles in the middle always in the middle at least one of them's in the middle and then one's either really high or really low and then well avengers is at no avengers is at 93 percent positive reviews on rotten tomatoes that's you, really high right that's what yeah I'm you and the other one's like oh it's at 90 percent for both no no metacritic it is something like it was 69 or something so i know i know don't go proving take your that bar graph <laughs> statistics yeah you know what? Let's get, I'm on to your secrets. Let's get away from something. And let's talk about uh, narrative. <laughs> okay, Tom. Let's do it. I'm so psyched now. Thanks. I was, so, I was about to zone out, and you just reeled me back. I think narrative. Totally in now. Well, Kelly, what, about... word, what word would you use instead of narrative? Maybe a... Synopsis? Uh, yeah, rock and roll. Oh, you mean a dark shad nopsis? I cannot wait. I, I've been looking forward to this one for a while, Kelly Wand. It's endless. I didn't really get a chance to polish it. Or the synopsis, JK. All right. <clears throat> dark shad nopsis. 
I like writing them, and then I have to read these. That's not part of it, by the way. That's just me whining. <laughs> Edit that out. <clears throat> Dark Shed Nopsis. Finally, a movie based on an old TV series that was on before the target audience was born. Finally, a movie about a vampire who falls in love with a young girl he turns into a vampire. Finally, a Tim Burton, Danny Elfman, Johnny Depp is a grotesque-a-thon with awesome writing. JK on one of those finalies. <laughs> See, I didn't polish pass it, so this is what... Okay. Johnny Depp plays the grown-up version of a child actor on a dock. Some old man says some shit to you about some stuff. <laughs> You know what? Forget what I just said. It's perfect. <laughs> the child actor's character's name, Barnabas Collins. The year's 17-something-something. Barnabas goes to America and starts a family fishing business that's so successful, he self-actualizes that classic great American fisherman's dream of living in a gigantic mansion in a city named after him amid a family of eccentric wackos lounging around on French mahogany duvets. A hot chick named Angelique keeps throwing herself at him, and from what we learn later, they have sex a bunch of times. But on the 90th occasion, he decides he's not into her, and I guess forget she's a witch, or doesn't know yet. Although, if she was a witch, you'd think the sex would have told. Or maybe she decides to become a witch after he rejects her. Although, if it's that easy, every chick would become a witch. And probably not settle for being empress of a fishing town in Maine. Anyway, since a hot girl who also happens to be a grand mistress of witchcraft simply has no conventional means to make a guy like her, the witch tries to get Johnny Depp to reciprocate her affections. That's right. <laughs> By crushing his parents to death and hypnotizing the chick he does love into walking off a cliff while he curiously stops short a few feet away from her and calls out her name and talks for a few seconds as if she's already dead instead of grabbing her and pulling her to safety. In his defense, he feels dumb enough about this to throw himself off, too. <laughs> it's like two minutes into the fucking movie. But the, but, but the bitch witch tricks him by turning him into a vampire, by seeing some G around with her hands a couple times as he falls. For some reason, he's bummed about this, but doesn't counterattack. Then, even though a scrap between a vampire and a witch sounds kind of like a toss-up to me, she has some villagers, who back then historically didn't give a shit when a witch manipulated them, chain Johnny Depp up in a coffin and put him at the bottom of Godfather 2 Lake. Because that's how you kill vampires. Chains and water. By the way, Depp sort of did initially try to fight back against the witch by opening a magic book prop and pointing at a pair of yellow McDonald's arches and saying, Mephistopheles. Sidebar. I alone in my packed audience get that the arches resemble the McDonald's logo and grunt approvingly. Nobody else in my Canadian audience reacts. I get McDonald's jokes because I'm a genius. End of sidebar. <clears throat> 200 years go by, then the opening credits start while a chick commutes by train, and that's like another seven minutes. She escaped from a mental institution where she's been getting shock treatment sat for the last 10 years because her parents caught her playing with her doll one night. She sees a poster for Peoria on the wall of her compartment and decides to call herself that. It's that chick who looks disconcertingly kind of like Amanda Siegfried by way of Zooey Deschanel, by way of that chick Depp loved whose ghost indicates a wanted ad for a crazy kid's governess at a creepy manner with her fingertip. That it's the same actress as movie speak that they're descendants, even though real descendants 200 years apart never look much alike. And I thought her great-grandma died without issue going over a cliff. I also thought that what with taking out Depp and his parents and then running the whole town for 200 years, the witch would have polished off the Collins family line by this point pretty easily, but there's like 15 of these fuckwads still living in the mansion. 
They're so broke, they can only afford two useless servants and a governess and a live-in therapist. (laughs) Peoria, as the only applicant, gets hired, I guess, although they never really discuss her duties or pay. She does most of her governessing at the dinner table when they're all there, including the crazy kid. He's so crazy, he puts a sheet over his head and pokes eye holes in it and pretends he's a ghost. Hit Girl's his sister. She's stoned and super bitchy to everybody, but since she's 15, filling out and somehow tanned in the middle of the main winter, she doesn't need a governess. Later, a real ghost shows up, which Danny Elfman's score is thoughtful enough to hip us to 30 seconds before the reveal. <laughs> the ghost says only help me, which isn't helpful. Meanwhile, some construction workers are doing shit with a crane in a ditch where the Atlantic Ocean used to be. They dig up a coffin with Johnny Depp inside, and he gets awakened the instant the link of the first chain around his coffin's broken and kills all 11 construction guys. What a fish out of water! It's 1972, the year after Dark Shadows was canceled, and here's this 18th century vampire right in the birthplace of the Flower People Revolution. Maine! Sidebar. He sees a McDonald's sign and does the expected fucking line, and everybody in my audience laughs on cue. Christ. <laughs> Side, sidebar bar. Seems weird a place that wants me to take their math seriously has a clown for a spokesman, but whatevs. Well, Alicia Silverstone thing. So Johnny Depp goes to his now dilapidated mansion and introduces himself to his descendants as a vampire, including the kids, although for some reason they don't follow their mom and their new vampire ancestor into the secret corridor he unveils behind the fireplace that leads to secret treasure, because that sounds boring. Michelle Pfeiffer makes him promise to keep his vampirism a secret, I guess hoping the kids won't remember their vampiric-looking new house guest who sleeps upside down and always stays out of the sun's First words to them five minutes earlier. She also keeps a dagger hidden behind her back for her whole conversation with Depp, even though he basically says he's there to improve their lives with riches and supernatural powers and, quote, will never harm any member of his blood. FYI, in the TV series, Depp's character killed the kid and bit the teenage daughter and made her his servant. Sidebar, I'd like to propose a new crayon color. Marketing dark. The witch finds out he's alive and goes to visit him at the mansion. But the second time, instead of killing her, he takes her into the library to chew her out for killing his parents, his lover, the cook, his thief's wife. But she still wants to bang him and have his kids, even though she's a witch, he's a vampire, and kids are supposedly when the banging stops. But he's all, fuck that, and finally attacks her, but she gestures so the drapes open and sunlight pours in, so he has to cringe in the shadows away from her. And then she tricks him by strolling right past him through the shadows with her back to him, which I guess isn't the best moment to attack her. Sidebar. <laughs> there won't be any more sidebars. No, except maybe three. I can relate to Johnny Depp's girl problems. Back in the 1700s when a girl liked you, she'd chain you up in a coffin. Last week, I got an email from an L.A. female type that read simply, I free-cycled all your clothes. <laughs> we hadn't made any arrangements, and I hadn't given her a key, so she must really miss me. Johnny Depp's bummed, but after Michelle Pfeiffer tells him to grow a pair, it turns out that financially speaking, witchcraft's no match for a vampire hiring a bunch of construction workers just like the ones he murdered earlier and doing a montage of them dusting off the craft services tables. Elena Bottom Carter's the orange-haired, orange, orange-haired therapist who lives with them for some reason, although it hasn't seemed to help. She gives Depp blood transfusions to help him become human based on zero evidence that this is possible, and despite her not secretly using his blood to turn her into a vampire for months on him without him noticing. Wait, who is his vampirism a secret from again? <laughs> Who's left? 
He asks his teenage great-granddaughter for advice on how to pick up a chick in 1972. She tells him to hang out with normal people, not her. So he goes to some place in the woods where a bunch of teenagers, just like her, smoking pot and talking about the war, man. Johnny Depp doesn't smoke any, of course. That had set a bad example. But he does murder them all after the cutest one tells him chicks don't care about money. What a fish out of water! <laughs> Apparently the Charles Manson aphrodisiac plan works awesomely. Because all he does is tell the therapist that her hottest phase was as a fetus, and she's blowing his ice-cold vampire ding-dong right there into the IV drip. Talk about blood transfusions! Then he kills the therapist by chaining her up and putting her under a bunch of water because he knows firsthand how effective a vampire slang method that is. Then he decides to ingratiate himself with the town by holding the one type of event no fisherman or dock worker can resist, a ritzy costume ball that's actually an Alice Cooper concert. <laughs> actually, this is because at breakfast, Hit Girl looked down at a magazine and saw Alice Cooper's picture and then looked up and said Alice Cooper, although I guess the ghost could have pointed to the pic, too. Bet the screenwriter for this was looking at a poster for Gobbledygook. Oh yeah, Hit Girl also tells Johnny Depp to stop calling it a ball and call it a happening. That old 70s term for Mark Wahlberg outrunning wind. Somebody also says Big Fish a couple times. Yeah, Burton, I get it. Anyways, Alice Cooper, who's 50 years older than he's supposed to be in the movie, plays the fisherman's ball, and Johnny Depp keeps referring to him as an ugly woman. Because discerning gender is harder than running a fish empire using knowledge of 1760s economics. He goes to see the witch, and instead of killing her when she threatens the governess's life, her penchant for extortion makes him horny, so they fuck. But as usual, he's all, all right, seriously, that was the last time. <laughs> so she has him chained in another coffin by her board of directors and seals him in with her red <laughs> panties over his face. Wait, that's a curse? Even before I saw this movie, being chained up in a coffin with Eva Green's panties draped over my face was in my top three. Too soon? Fortunately for Johnny Depp, she makes the mistake of buying the coffin in the crazy little kid's room, and the kid just lets him out. Blah, blah, word stuff music. Johnny Depp doesn't notice he's on fire for two minutes. Hit Girl turns out arbitrarily to be a werewolf. Moon shape irrelevant, like the Hulk, she's, quote, always angry. Which technically means that silverware in the kitchen scene should have been her joke. But at least we get to see her kick some fucking sweet. Nope, she's down. Out in <laughs> so exciting. Chloe Moritz. The male kid's mom, C.G. Host, shows up for the first time in the movie and screams, which knocks the witch over for a couple seconds. Eventually, even Burton gets bored and they kill the witch, but not before she opens her hollow chest and offers Depp this tinkly, still-beating red zirconia egg from within. Great. Now when I rewatch their sex scene, I'll be forced to visualize an ice cube fucking a window pane. Thanks, Tim Burton. The mansion gets torched and everybody stands around and does nothing. I guess the fire department's still putting out the cannery fire. Until Hit Girl's all, what do we do now? I assume she means Burton, and good luck with that. But Michelle Pfeiffer goes, what we've always done, endure the CG. Meanwhile, Johnny Depp goes to save What's-Her-Face from jumping off the cliff because she's hypnotized, even though she's not. But then she jumps off anyway, on the off chance that he can somehow turn her into a vampire before they both hit the rocks. Oh, so that's what her great-grandma's ghost meant by help me. Turn yourself into a vampire. Ah, well, at least Johnny Depp's not with a chick who uses extortion to get her way. As often. <laughs> Dude, let's just get a speech-to-text thing. No, wait, the reverse of that. <laughs> speech-to-text wouldn't be very helpful. Forget that. Scratch that. Edit, Strike that. Fix that in reverse post. it. Right. Thank God we have the technology to edit these. 
Because <laughs> it's like... I've uh, been looking forward to this for so many hours. Oh, fuck. Thank God, you. Shit. It's endless, endless. Cut it. Just slice. But I want it to be true to the movie, and so this was kind of like what the movie was like for me. Spoiler alert. Too soon. I'll shut up. No, I. you know what? If that was what the movie was like for you, you must have uh, enjoyed Loved the movie it. a lot more than I did. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> nice work. Uh, all right. Wow. I just, uh, I'm so over Tim Burton at this point. I have been for a while, and this certainly doesn't address that at all. Good Lord. Kelly Wan, so you, Dingus, did you watch any of the original series this week? I know you've said you might try. Yeah, I watched a couple. Uh, Kelly Wan, are you familiar with the original series? Uh... He actually Some bites a kid and convert like he converts yeah, kids he's to vampires. Evil. He's yeah. a bad guy in the series. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dingus, how it's was like it? How did... He's like John Collins. Well, you know, I got the sense watching it. I was like, oh yeah, this looks. Like I can see all sorts of like Dallas stuff coming out of this. The rival fishing canneries. Oh boy, yeah. uh, like is all that in the series? Well, it's weird because it for the first six months of the show, it wasn't about anything paranormal. Which is what? odd because it's called Dark Shadows, so they called it that for no reason, I guess. And then they put, they started putting vampires and shit in, and it became a smash <laughs> hit because kids would get stoned and watch it after school. And then it gets canceled, even though it's a hit, because the government banned cigarette commercials. So it was like kids smoking weed at home, watching it, denied it because of tobacco. Man. What's that tell you? That rock on government? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Dingus, what what was uh, what were the first few episodes like? Was this was well there, in there? the first episode, uh, a hand reaches out of a coffin and grabs a guy's throat. So I don't know what Kelly's talking about. That doesn't have to be paranormal, Dingus. There are conditions uh, where a premature burial, where somebody gets put in a coffin and they're not dead yet. Everybody- wait, wait, wait. That's on the first episode. Yeah. Doesn't uh, have to be paranormal though. Yeah, it's just a guy's dirty. Yeah, he's just been locked in a in a coffin for ages on ages. That's in the first episode? Yes! All right. Uh, is is Dark Shadows, the TV show, like, campy? Is it is it trying to be funny? Is there a reason that this... No, 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 but it's no. awful, and it's and it's so <laughs> endearing because of that. I mean, you have you have takes... They kept takes where an actress keeps flubbing her lines, and they're, they're horrible actors. You know, guys standing there with Aww. his arms crossed or arms behind their back, and, oh, I just... Lo- I, I immediately fell in love and I understand why there was a cult following for this. And it made me hate this movie so much more because they could have done that kind of thing. Although Tim Burton already did that with Ed Wood. So why even bother making this at all? But if you're going to make it, then then go for some of those things. Uh, um, it's got a great atmosphere. It's, it's campy, but not on purpose. It's campy because it's bad. And, and See, I, I'm kind of I, falling for it because... I hear you say that, Dingus, and it just makes me want to watch Dark Place again. Yeah, mm. well, uh, I think that, that that's a legitimate alternative. Right. I mean, a Dark Place is, is, you just watch that instead. I mean, this is, it's, it's really poor quality, but, uh, you know, uh, two 20-minute episodes is not a lot to put in. Kelly Wand, why do you know Dark Shadows? How is it that you ended up watching a, what, 40-year-old uh, British soap opera? I always watch those. <laughs> But you know what? I don't want to defend the movie, really, because I don't want to say it's good. But I was not... Oh, it was... Whoa, whoa. I I, I gotta be very careful here. I know. Well, it was so random and so stitched together, it was kind of unpredictable, because there was just no tonal 
consistency to anything. So I'd had trouble hating it for sustained periods. Ah, interesting. Like, I, I had no problems in that department. It sounds yeah, like it's it, for be. that very reason. I mean, what what is this movie trying to be? I don't understand what it's trying to be. See, I, I felt that it's it, trying to be everything. <laughs> it is trying to be a lot, but I, the things it was trying to be, I didn't think worked. Like, I, I all, so many jokes, just joke after joke after joke, just fell flat for me. Starting with the McDonald's thing, the gag where he's yeah. leaning on the Casio, you know, the, the 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 little montage where he's brushing his teeth. The hippie scene fell flat. Uh, the Helena Bonham Carter, what I would call the HBC BJ. Fell flat. Uh, that 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 wirework sex scene fell flat. Like I could so, so uh, many places see. Oh, they're trying to be like sort of funny and just nothing. Like it was just leaden. So that it, even and so that by the time that Chloe Moritz shows up and announces she's a vampire, I just I I, I get what you're saying, Kelly Wan, but the randomness just didn't wasn't enough for me. If they had had something like Chloe Moritz deciding, hey, we're going to have a vampire, if they'd had a few more of those in there, maybe I would have been with you. But Wait, for the most part... Like. Well, Wilshire no, that's that's what, like, if they had had just crazy, pointless, senseless twists like that throughout... Oh, rather than, more of those. Yeah, like, well, if there had been more of that, I think I might have been able to agree with you and sort of enjoyed the weird tonal shifts. So not but I, I just enough. saw... Well, I just saw so many attempts where they were trying to be funny, and it just fell flat, and it just there was nothing endearing about any of that to me. Well, there's uh, no timing in any of those gags. I, I, I did the same thing you did, Tommy. I actually took two in my notes, putting a G next to the gags that failed. And, and there's just a G, 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 all of the things that you're talking about. The, all these gags, the, the timing is just so flat and awful, and none of them are funny. When he's putting his head on that Casio... Ah, come on, get some timing involved here. <laughs> and then you, you watch the, the series, and for me, the most criminal thing is that Willie is actually a halfway interesting character at the beginning of the series. He's, he's supposed to be a frightening and violent man, and instead they criminally misuse Jackie Earl Haley as this stupid drunk. I mean, it's not like Jackie Earl Haley can't play frightening and violent. What, what is wrong with you? I wondered about that because I thought maybe they were going to do, like, I think of, that's a classic role in a vampire movie, the guy who gets recruited to be the Igor, whether it's like Tom Waits or, uh, oh, Ben Foster in 40 Days of Night played that part. So I, I see Jackie Earl Haley appear, and I'm like, oh, he's going to start off being the silly drunk, and he's going to end up being the, the conniving Igor character, and nothing came of that. Yeah. There's yes. no payoffs to anything. It's like well, someone's here- spraying a bunch of playing cards in your face. Yeah, very, exactly, Kelly Wand. Yeah, playing cards with crazy art on them. Uh, I, I would argue, uh, I don't know about payoffs, but I did kind of, you know, it's, by the time the movie was over, I was just desperate for anything to not loathe. And so Chloe Moritz being a, a werewolf was just ridiculous. I don't know that that works just for like me. Just her. So you know I was not well, not any, she's not even, somebody, somebody better get a hold of that girl and take care yeah. of her. Yeah, I don't think I don't know that I like her anymore. I'm with Dingus. Uh, Go ahead, Dingus. Because why? Why Dingus? What? Because in the last couple of movies I've seen her in, um, I just keep thinking, what's wrong here? Yeah. And, and you know, Hugo, which I think uh, the guy who plays David is also in Hugo. Um, why do you remember these names? Who is David? <laughs> why do you I'm remember? Sorry. David's the weird little boy. Oh, uh, the kid. He's in Hugo. Yeah, he's, okay. Okay. And his name's Gulliver. That's why I remember him. He's got a first name of Gulliver. And he played the younger version of um, Stol- Michael Stolberg's character in Hugo. Um, I-, I liked that little kid. He's the standard yeah. 
sort of Tim Burton pasty little kid, but I, like that little kid was fine. But I'm just so I loved Chloe Moritz so much in, in uh, Let Kick-Ass. Me. <laughs> Let me. How dare you? How dare you say that? In uh, Kick-Ass, and I had such hopes for her, and she's just being misused. Over and it's over bad again. writing. It's not her fault. Wish somebody would take care of her and say, "Go off to school for a few years, come back to acting, because nobody's using you properly." It's exactly, yeah. and Kelly Wan, you're exactly right. It's bad writing, and I, I can add further to this. Uh, I, I think I've on the podcast got the most Chloe, Chloe Moritz cred because I also this weekend went and saw a little indie movie that she's in called Hick, uh, and nobody knows. Nobody, I, I mean. She's at this really precarious point. Like, she's gone from being just the adorable little monkey that was in Kick-Ass. And before that, I recently saw some movie. Kelly Wan, you might know this movie. What's this movie about Appalachian minor zombie kids? Do you know the name of that? <laughs> it's not funny, Dingus. It's a real thing. It sounds like a song. Appalachian minor zombie kids. <laughs> no, they're like these uh, these kids that used to work in the mines in the Appalachians in the 1800s, and they turn into zombies. What, Kelly Wan, do you know that movie? At any rate, it's it's a weird, it's a real movie, and Chloe Moritz is in it, and she's just this adorable little just bundle of energy, and she, the screen just so comes alive every time she's on, and and it was the same with Kick Ass, but then we're seeing her in things like like Hugo that Dingus mentioned, where there's no sense of timing, uh, Texas Killing Fields, where you know Sam Worthington and her belong in that movie together. Uh, she was in uh, this thing called Hick that I saw this weekend, where like. Um, Dark Shadows, they're playing on the fact that she's becoming this this sort of leggy sexual creature. I mean, they're playing up on the fact that she's filling out and she's growing up. Um, and But no one is really telling her what to do or how to act, I think. And no one's giving her good material and she just seems aimless and adrift. Hick it's a waste. Is, it's, a, it's a huge waste because she can be enchanting. And let me in, by the way. It, it's just a, such a criminal misuse of what she has done or maybe can do but i feel like nobody knows what to do so here she's just there and i don't know if she's supposed to be a stoner like kelly wand i get the sense i i find i partly blame you for this but i'll find myself watching a movie and i brought this up in chronicle thinking oh i'll bet that character is supposed to be a stoner but they took it out so cabin in the woods they leave it in there I blame for that how, by the way. Why you just make me think of that when I watch movies. Like, is this a character that might that was fix... watered down? Yeah, that was watered down. That, that Kelly Wan would object to, you know, watered stoner down. references being cut out of the movie. I'm convinced that happened in Chronicle, and I'm pretty sure that was what was going on with Chloe Moritz's character in Dark Shadows. I think they wanted us to play with the idea that like she was a stoner. But we never saw that. Like she doesn't get stoned. And you know what? PG thirteen. I'm fine with that. Don't uh, don't geez. put that in there. But I'm convinced that's kind of what they were trying to do. No one so, said it gets stoned. But that was a whole different era. Uh, so, but but I'm convinced that's what they were trying to do here, so that the weirdness of her performance is. I think they told her, okay, you're a stoner, act stoned. In, in Hick, for instance, she's supposed to do coke at one point, and they play it like some weird LSD sequence. She has no idea how to act coked out. And so it's just this weird, embarrassing, awful sequence in Hick. Well, that's encouraging, though. You go, oh, cool, the actress is fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you know, she, she doesn't can, know what Coke is yet. She can, she can drop the C-bomb with a plom in Kick-Ass, but, yeah, she can't yet do a stoner and Coke head stuff. The other C-bomb. Uh, so, at any rate, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with her, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Dingus. Like, 
go away, go to school, wait for someone to give you a really good script, uh, you know, work with a strong director. Because Tim Burton is not – Tim Burton, by the way, I don't even think of him as a director anymore. Tim Burton is just production design at this point. Like he's he a, not? When was he's he a, ever? In he's a look. Ed Wood is brilliant. I mean, and, and certainly you yeah, go back is. to That's what the he one did. good movie. That's the only. No, no. I mean, but even then, Kelly Wan back in the day, it's dated now. But you look at what he did with Batman and Edward Scissorhands, and I mean, he had his his look, and he knew enough. Even though I'm convinced he didn't have as much creative input as most people think, but he knew enough on uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, for instance, to let Henry Selleck just sort of do his thing there right. um but but now he's like i say he's just production design he's not a director he doesn't there's no there's no sort of voice or intent or feeling here it's just you know it's just colors and makeup and costumes and there's just no sign of any I, you know tim burton whatever he's gone as far as i'm concerned <laughs> well uh, so the highest praise you just gave him was being smart enough to know he sucked enough to stand out of henry selleck's way on one movie <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, all hail Tim Burton. Well, I was just thinking when I was writing up my notes for this about how Steven Soderbergh has managed to make a bunch of little movies that I really love while still making big budget movies that I like too. And some I, some of those I hated and, and they're hit or miss, but he, he seems to have a vision that he goes back to and he's like, I really want to do this too. And I don't see Tim Burton has ever having done that. He just makes these big like Tom said, he's just visually designing big things that, that are are just like laxatives that just run right through you. And you never get the sense thing that he's doing anything with the actors. Like I never, right. there's he, Johnny Depp yeah. is just whatever, just do a voice. Here's some funny period dialogue, funny quote unquote period dialogue. Say this. I got no sense that any actor was given anything to do here other than show up and say their lines. Uh, and that's. But just, I like Depp in this. Movie. Did you really? Because I. Uh, eh. Well, why wasn't? Yeah, go ahead. He wasn't what? What, what made you like him, Kelly? Wong? Well, we did see the tourist, so I thought. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> and wasn't he in something good? Uh, oh, I liked him in Alice in Wonderland until he did that dance, and then I never wanted to see him. <laughs> and I liked him in Jump Street, and then okay. what? Let's just talk about every movie I've been to. See, I did. I did that. I. There's just nothing here. Like he was given. I think the whole shtick was supposed to be he talks funny and he looks awkward. With that haircut. Uh, yeah, which is no different than what he did in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the same makeup. He probably just keeps it on. Wait, that would make sense. <laughs> and, and bringing up Jump Street is a really good idea, a really good point, Kelly One, because that's a that's a movie that decided we're just going to totally camp out and be goofy with right. uh, a, a show that took itself seriously, and it worked because writing and commitment, and this one just feels at times lazy or uh, just not interested in doing those types of things and and tom i think you put it right where it feels like none of these actors got any direction and helena bonham carter you can do your thing i know you can johnny depp you can do your thing and yeah, everybody else michelle pfeiffer just looked pretty <laughs> there were a few times early on where i was like i was looking forward to michelle pfeiffer being this kind of cool mysterious feline character and I just realized uh, that's just Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> you know, there's, yep. by, virtue, by virtue of nothing in the script, none of the material, she was just being Michelle Pfeiffer, and I was briefly lulled into appreciating how cool that was. Uh, you take what you can get in Dark Shadows. Well, you really well, do, so, yeah. Well, well, one of you please tell me why this is a, a period movie. Why, why is this Which in part, the 72? You mean this? Oh. I guess why, why is this a 70s movie? Because the, the music movie, licensing? I mean, what... What's the point? 
Yeah, yeah like that T Rex song. Happened. Yeah, the T Rex song has got they got that for a song. Moody Blues, Nights in White Satin. That's got to cost about maybe two hundred bucks to license that. Uh, mirror balls, carpenter's gag. I mean, carpenter's what? gag. Yeah. Uh, why? Why? Is, but uh, beyond that, wh- why are we in the seventies? What? What possible? What does it bring to anything? Why did they do that? I got an answer. Good. Uh, the cars are awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, for the ball because those are fishermen's cars. Well, no, it's Eva Green's car though. She had some Chevelle. I kind of liked her thing. too. Oh god, I hated her. Really, Kelly Wan, you're okay. But wait, I want to explore this. Yeah, Dingus is right, Kelly Wan. Why would it be in the seven? What do they get from that? Because Dark Shadows was canceled before the movie set. <laughs> you know, maybe that. Well, maybe that was part of what the Graham Smith script was like trying to get at at one point. Uh, like, what if he from the 1700s came to the actual era of the real Dark Shadows? Like, they don't. There was something there. I don't know. They don't explore that at all. They don't. But like, maybe that was like or an anything. early, an early motive. Uh, it's a time, right, he's a fish out of water. And we're doing a series, we're doing an update of a series that is a fish out of water. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It does seem a little odd. They took something unfilmable and made it worse than, <laughs> like, <laughs> not, nothing would have been. Wait, that's not a good analogy. Forget that. Metaphor. Uh, is this the last one of these movies? Is this the last movie based on a TV series? Okay. No, I think... Different Strokes is coming out in June. Different Strokes. What's the one with the two dudes that are like brothers and detectives? Uh, Wait, Will Smith's obviously the Todd Bridges, and then Gary Coleman is Vern Troyer in blackface. Oh, God. Too soon. Way too soon. <laughs> what are the See? two brothers? What are the brothers that are like detectives? Uh, Simon and Simon? Yes, thank you. There will be a Simon and Simon movie, Kelly. I Watt? thought they were cousins, but Simon and Simon, because they didn't look alike. Uh, I don't know. As long as they're related, I think I'm close enough. Isn't it rela- Isn't it awesome to not talk about Dark Shadows for five seconds? <laughs> that like, felt oh, so nice good. Squeeze. You're right. Woo, Simon and Simon, man, those were the days. <laughs> Kelly, one, can we have can we have a Hogan's Heroes movie? You think that'll ever happen? Yeah, it was called Schindler's List. One, two, three. <laughs> that sex scene was so hot. It was so unforgettable. Uh, and you know what? It's not often that enough that you get to see thing. Michelle Pfeiffer with a shotgun. I will. I, I will like give them that. that. Yeah, it was it reminded me of uh, Helen Mirren in Red. Like, oh, and that's all you got. All right. Ah, uh, well, let's do a three by three, uh, sort of a palate cleanser from Dark Shadows. Which, so okay, so Kelly Wan, you're on record as not hating it as much as me and Dingus. Um, only because I'm dumb, not because it's good. <laughs> okay, so we're clear. Well, you were all discriminating. So I for calling it good, only for being dumb. And well, we just, just, last week, you were all discriminating about the Avengers. So I, I just want to. It's the same fucking movie. It's just as random. One becomes just angry, and then the other one's a werewolf. Hey, I'm a werewolf. Hey, let's not make a big deal about it. Woof. <laughs> uh-uh. How that happen? Never mind. Uh, it's, you know what? Uh, there's exposition, 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 backstory. That's how it happened. Yeah. But you only get one line of exposition. They explain it. Is that It was summer camp, right? Um, it was a, you just, if you hadn't been staring at Eva Green's cleavage so much, you might have heard some of what she was saying. Oh, you mean her Eva Greenage? <laughs> <laughs> because what is this week's three by three, by the way? Oh. <laughs> I mean, let's talk more. 
This is your three favorite examples of graffiti mm. seen in a movies. Uh. I don't know how to do the uh, plural or the singular for graffiti, so I, I'm going to keep saying weird ways of saying graffitis. Okay, I look forward to seeing what else. Graffiti is plural, and graffito is the singular. Yeah, keep telling me that because I don't know. Uh, and I think I know why you picked this, Dingus, by the way. is it? Let, let me just float this. Is it because of a commentary track that you listened to? No. Oh, really? Where they talk about certain graffiti in the background, letting the production artists do a certain thing? Oh, no, I don't even know what you're talking about, but I hope you'll tell me later. Dad, well, that's the thing is I don't know what I'm talking about either because I, I just remembered seeing it. I thought it was in – well, I don't want to say anything because it might ruin a pick. You know what? I'll save it for the runners-up. I recently heard a director's commentary track – where the director is explaining some of the graffiti in the background and why it says what it says and how the production designer wanted to write it. And he was like, yeah, do that, and how it kind of fit. But I don't remember what movie it was or what the graffiti was. So That's not that's, real. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear that. I wonder if it's my number two. Okay, good. Hold that then, because uh, hold that thought. We'll, we might get around to that. The relevant parts that you read something random. I heard it on a director's commentary oh, okay. track. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then I was totally paying attention. <laughs> you were what? Nothing. Did you say pilly panting? He was totally paying attention. That's that's my translation. Now let Tom translate <laughs> silly, me. Silly the, I don't know what Dennis is talking about. So thank you, Tom, for standing. Why do you have ladies' underwear on your face, Kelly? Uh, the, 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 yeah, oh, so many. Oh god. <laughs> well, I get to go first because I'm announcing next week's three by three. So I'm going to start with my number three. So Dingus, you mentioned last week when you when you saddled us with this assignment that it was going to require some thought. Uh, so I was prepared to actually do some homework, but when you said this, I pretty much quickly thought of three things, and I'm just going to go with those three, the three that came that I thought of off the top of my head. So I didn't do much thinking. I didn't do much preparation. Just three popped to mind. I like them. I stuck with them, and they're the ones that I've got for you today. The number three for me uh, is in Life of Brian. There's that great uh, scene. When, uh, so I, see, I figured Kelly Wan might have one of these, and I think Dingus is going to have one of the other ones. Uh, it's when he's painting Romans go home on the side of some Roman edifice and the guards come up and correct his Latin. And there's that long scene. Uh, it's just a great gag about graffiti uh, and, and speaking Latin. And they make him write it a hundred times. And it's just classic goofy Monty Python stuff. And I love that bit for, from Life of Brian. Kelly Wand, it sounds like you had also thought of that one. Yeah, but I'm, I can be bought by really expensive payoffs. And I just like the people had to fucking write that shit on the wall for that joke to work I'm like sure just, that wasn't cg that's what i'm saying <laughs> back then they did not have that that's right there was, it was all over the place big letters little letters yeah yeah and they were they were they noticed that that scene played well with american audiences and were confused by that because they thought it was a parody of british boarding school like guy pinching your ear and making you conjugate but i think we were just laughing at the wall well, I have actually, I've actually had several years of Latin in, in high school, so I got all that, uh, which is kind of like being in British boarding school, I guess. Um, so pig Latin's not... <laughs> it's much easier to decline. It's easier to remember the noun forms. It's all conjugation. Yeah. Uh, but that was one of your picks, Kelly Wand? Yeah, that was my number two, so now we don't have to talk about one of them. All right. Although we did, so in a way... It wasn't like time travel, <laughs> but in other ways, I'm done. You, would you have anything further to add about this? No, no. I, this is a pretty simple. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it does have the classic. Um, 
that little Monty Python. Is it who's who are do who are the two in the scene? Kelly Wand is that John Cleese is the guard? Is the Roman yeah, guard? Yeah, he's always the uh, angry one. And then Graham Chapman's uh, Brian. Brian, yeah, his life story. But they parody that scene in Passion of the Christ, by the way. And if once you see it. <laughs> I'll need to see that movie one day because I know Dingus loves it. He keeps recommending that I see the Jesus movie. <laughs> All right, so Life of Brian, my number three. Kelly Wan's number two pick for favorite graffiti. Kelly Wan, what would be your number three pick? Oh, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, graffiti in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the graffiti that uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's looking at when. Uh, She's losing her virginity. And then there's the little prick car door for Damone. But my favorite one is when Judge Reinhold is rehearsing his breakup speech for his girlfriend. And Big Hairy Pussy is written in there. <laughs> and he stops. And, he's, and I've always wondered what the takeaway for that was. Is that just like he thinks that's what he thinks of his girlfriend or his job's so lame he doesn't even see the words? <laughs> He just sees the mirror in the speech. Like, did the words make him go, oh, yeah, her, I got to break up with her? <laughs> yeah, I would, I'm guessing Fast Times at Ridgemont High must hold up. So it's like a Meeks cutoff. You don't, it's an ambiguous ending, but not a, <laughs> If you say so. <laughs> Wait, you don't think Fast Times would hold up? No, I'm guessing it would. I mean, just because you you describing that, and I vaguely remember the scene, that sounds hilarious. That makes me think I should watch Fast Times at Ridgemont High again, and I bet it holds up. And then they're at the pep rally, and then she breaks up with him before he can do the speech, and he's all, Ugh. oh, yeah, and then he's changed his mind. He's decided he wants her after all, and then she does the speech. In a way, yeah. it's like when he sees the words on the mirror, it's like a witch curse from Dark Shadows that's like... <laughs> Shingus, when is the last time you saw Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Can you back me up on this? Uh, I saw it two summers ago at an outdoor movie night I go to, and it <laughs> and it does hold up your Wait a minute. You watched the Phoebe Kate scene outdoors with a bunch of parents? Yep. How'd that play? Hot. All right. It was a key party. Why didn't you invite me? You were invited. You were bartending. Don't you remember? All right, all right, all right. That summer. Dingus, what is your number three pick for favorite graffiti in a movie? All right, here's the actual graffiti. Mm. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm not going to write it because you couldn't see it. <laughs> Repent, the end is extremely fucking nigh. I knew I was going to share one with Dingus. Yeah, that's my number two. Listen, they're coming to, they're coming to get you. <laughs> it's Canadian siren. They're just like us in so many ways. Are you having an air raid? <laughs> no, we're not at war. It's all next week. <laughs> Excellent. What are we talking about? Robots? <laughs> <laughs> so do you know what that's from, Kelly Wand? Because that's pretty famous graffiti. 28-something. Uh, days or weeks? Uh, days. All right, very good. Kelly Wand got it, too. But it sounds uh, like something Peter Capaldi would say. So it could be in the loop. Like That's what Peter Capaldi's character wrote. In but the yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but we, Oh, so you think he's the one that wrote it on the wall? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, what I love, part, of, part of what I love about this graffiti is where it's written. Right. So, Dingus, explain what this pick is and why you, you chose it. All right, it's 28 Days Later uh, from 2002, directed by Danny Boyle. And I was I was actually considering something from some sort of survival movie where somebody had written graffiti where it, 
where where it says, if you've survived, show up over here. Um, and so I started watching 20 Days Later, not remembering this. And then I saw that and I went, oh, of course. Uh, it's, you know, Jim goes into a church. He's, he's woken up 28 days later. And he goes into, into a church and he's going up the stairs. And that's written on the wall of the church. And this is also the first moment where he runs into the infected. Um, and I, I love... I could watch 28 Days Later over and over again, but I just love some of the little things he says that I forgot in that scene, like, I shouldn't have done that, and who are these people? <laughs> when he's apologizing to the priest, too, the yeah. infected priest, yeah. <laughs> is that what I shouldn't have done that? Is is that in response yeah, to yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, he smacks the priest with his, with his baggie of Pepsis, and he says, <laughs> I shouldn't have done that. Now, wait a minute, are they really Pepsis? I don't know, I think... It, I think oh. That's what it is. But he's collected so many things, but I thought it was like cans from the hospital. Right, but I was wondering if there was an actual product placement, because I didn't remember that they were the actually Pepsi's. product placement. Well, there's, I think it's definitely Pepsi. Okay. All right, all right Coca-Cola company. Wait, is that their new slogan this year? The end is fucking nigh. <laughs> Extremely <laughs> fucking nigh. New, ge- new generation. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Great, Kelly. Well, I just, I just love the idea that the people are holed up in the church during whatever zombie apocalypse is happening outdoors, and someone feels the need to write that in huge letters on the wall of the inside of the church. Uh, it just points to how bleak things must have been. Uh, yeah. And that's a pretty famous line, too. Like I, 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 was, I wanted to make sure that it wasn't very fucking nigh or extremely fucking nigh. Like I Googled it, and that, that Googles well. Uh, oh, it does. Because it's very because, much, yeah, yeah. Because I, w- I, I, I just... Google graffiti movies, and you get lists upon lists of movies about graffiti. Dingus, that's cheating the three by three. We're yep, going to have to dock you ten points. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> where, can, where, can I, where can I redeem those points? <laughs> it's written here on your sheet, negative ten points for Googling graffiti three by three. It's a permanent record, Dingus. Uh, I just wanted to try to get a jump on what Kelly was going to choose. Well, I got him first. Dingus, you did choose me. You, you chose my number two, So, and I chose... Kelly's number two. So, Dingus, we are now down to your number two favorite graffiti in a movie. Really? Yep. Exciting, my number, my number two is 28 Days Later. Kelly's number two is Life of Brian. A lot of overlap so far. I think I'm going to be the only one with my number one, uh, but we'll see. All right. Here's, here's my number two. Uh, I'm going to quote the graffiti for you right now. Okay. Oh. I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. It's got to be, I'm guessing, Midnight Run. He's always trying to come up with some Midnight Run thing. But he wouldn't... Did Rain... Was Rain Man a graphomania? <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's my guess. I'm just, I was just wondering that anyway, out of curiosity. I would say that Danny Elfman's best soundtrack was Midnight Run. I just wanted to say that. It's No Dark Shadows. Don't point. they get sick of each other, those fucking guys? Danny Elfman and Tim Burton and Johnny Depp. I'm sure they just do it over email. <laughs> uh, Dingus, I don't know. That's terrible things. That's that's awful graffiti. That just makes no sense. Why would somebody write that? So yeah, I don't. I, like I don't. It. I'm guessing I haven't seen this movie. Uh, you might not have seen it actually. Um, but the the but uh, there's a guy named the narrator, and after he leaves Marla's apartment after checking her for oh, cancer, there's no graffiti. Huh? Oh, good lord! There's no graffiti. <sighs> Unless it's like an, an official sabotage thing. You know what? The happy face on the side of the building. How's that for graffiti and Fight Club? Oh, uh, no. Really? What's the I like myself, I like myself, I like myself? 
uh, there's this wall behind Edward Norton after he leaves her uh, apartment, and he's standing there in the street, and Bob comes up to him, and he's and they they're reuniting. He's like, oh, where have you been? And Bob's telling him, well, I'm I'm not a part of the group anymore, but I'm in a new group, and I the first rule is I can't talk about it. And behind Edward Norton, it's hard to see, and this is one of the reasons I love it. You can't really see it. You have to put it together because first, when you see him, it looks like elf, 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 elf. Um, but if you piece it together, it's, I like myself, I like myself, I like <laughs> And it's the narrator standing in front of this uh, when Bob comes up to him and talks to him about Fight Club. Uh, he can't talk about it. And then Edward Norton's like, look, I'm in the club too. Look at my face. And then Bob starts going, oh, did you hear about the guy who started it? He's this legend. And he's talking about how great this guy is. And Edward Norton is just starting to smile because he's thinking, oh, he's talking about me. And then Bob, of course, says, his name's Tyler Durden. And Edward Norton's face just crashes. <laughs> and so behind him is this graffiti that says, I like myself, I like myself, I like myself. How did you notice that? Yeah. I just remembered. I just remembered. I don't know why. Um I just remember that moment, and and I remember this weird sort of thing with the the words on the wall and having to figure it out over and over again, uh, and how it works into the character. It's pretty good. Mm. It sounds like you did some homework. Nicely done, Dingus. Maybe it was just a coincidence. Well, I thought for sure when you were talking about some production designer thing on a commentary that, that <sighs> no, that wasn't it. Sorry. I think it, I'll save it to see make sure your number one isn't from this, but I, I think I know what it is, but I don't. <sighs> It's going to drive me crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Right, well, well, here's my number one. It's not this, but my, my number one is from uh, actually my favorite movie last year. Uh, and it actually fills in kind of a, I don't know about a plot hole, but it, it, it explains a little something that might otherwise be a coincidence or a, a jump of logic. So in Hannah, um, one of the characters uh, has to be accosted by the CIA at one point. Uh, Eric Bana plays uh, Eric Heller, and he is just swum into Germany, basically. Uh, and the CIA has to get a hold of him while he's in Germany. And he's off the grid. He's a spy. You'd think they wouldn't catch him. Um, he gets off a bus, and there's this great single-take shot of him walking out of the bus station into a subway station where a great fight scene happens. Oh, uh, yeah. But we, we, you have to wonder, well, wait a minute, how did the CIA get a hold of him? You know, how do they know where he is? They never really explain that. We just know the CIA is looking for him, and then we need for him to be jumped in Germany for, for plot purposes. So in between walking from the bus station to the subway station, he walks past a wall where a bunch of eyes are spray-painted. And as he walks past the eyes, we see a big old ad for an optometrist, which shows big eyes with glasses on them. And then as he walks past that, we see graffiti on the wall that says, One Nation Under CCTV, Closed Circuit TV. Uh, and I think the, the little plot point being uh, filled in here is the idea that in Europe, Closed Circuit TV is a huge part of like, like, like public life. You know, there are cameras stationed around in, in Europe, and it's just part of how the police keeps an eye on things. And, of course, the CIA would tap into that. And in, in any other movie, we might get some scene where they're running it through facial recognition software, and somebody says, freeze, enhance, and we see Eric Heller. But here, we just had Joe Wright just walks us past graffiti to remind us that people in Germany uh, and in Europe and at large, are under surveillance, you know, 24-7 when they're out in public because of closed-circuit TV. And that graffiti drives home that point 
so that when the CIA jumps in, we don't need any exposition and we don't need a scene where they, that explains how they found him. Uh, but I just love that that little bit in Hannah. And by the way, if you've seen Red Road, which Dingus, you need to get on this. A great actress named Kate Dickey is in it. It's a Scottish movie. It's the movie that Andrea Arnold did before Fish Tank. Uh, it has a lot to do with closed circuit TV and the impact that that has on like crime and the police and stuff. Hmm. So, so there you go, Hannah, my number one pick for. Wait, so that's a story beat, or that's how they it's kind of a story. on the wall, and that's how you know that they found her. That's how they found Eric Heller. Like, that's how they found – it's just Joe Wright saying, you know, like a lot of Hannah I don't think is important on that level. Like, it doesn't play as a classic born supremacy spy movie where it's really obsessed with the details and this cool spy plotting stuff. Hannah doesn't really play at that level. So here's just an example where Joe Wright is just, you know what, we're just going to spray paint on the wall a reference to closed-circuit TV. And if you are worried about figuring out how the CIA found Eric Heller, there you go. That's your clue. That's what you get. Because uh-huh. she shoots the cameras, so maybe it's part of the. Uh, the I, there could be some deeper subtext there, Kelly Wan. Like she hates lenses. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that. I remember that moment very clearly, and I didn't until you just described it. And it's a good. I, I like the way it fills in what's going on. That's perfect. I love it. All right, so Kelly Wan, what do you have for your number one choice of graffiti? Hey, when, remember when you said you got bored during Green Hornet and started <laughs> watching the news crawl on the TV? Right, right. Does that count as graffiti? Because it's written something in the background of a movie. I think it has to be the. It has to be a spray painted. Spray paint or defacing somehow. Like I have a runner up that's not spray painted. Hmm. So stand by for that. All minor. Well, okay. My number one is in Raising Arizona when that kid's writing fart on the wall and do the head to toe pan. Wait, toe to head pan. It's Buford. Is that his name? Don't don't toy with my emotions again, Gingus, so soon. <laughs> after last night's debacle. That Buford, he's a sly one. Hit the deck, boy. Hit the deck, boy. Already know, he already knows his ABCs. Doesn't he throw glass at him or something? He throws a beer can at him. Yeah. Remember the kid's world-weary expression? Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that... That was one of my runner-up, but the but for the bathroom uh, door instead of the fart. But fart, fart is perfectly crumbled. The expression and the idea that it's fart, like, he's so, like, oh, I gotta write something. Like, he leads with fart, even though that's how you end. You would end most graffiti. <laughs> uh, Dingus, what was the bathroom door bit in Raising Arizona? Oh, it's a it's a minor homage to Kubrick. It's OPE and POE on the bathroom door when they're going to steal. The All station. right, layman's <laughs> terms, Mister Pants. Let's do something we can all enjoy. <laughs> OP on the on the down low, ding dong. Come on, Kubrick, coup. <laughs> uh, I can't tell if Kubrick Delaney. I don't know if Dingus was earnest about that. There's really a I, I, okay. Yeah, yeah. It. When uh, when John Goodman and is it William Forsythe who plays his brother are uh, are in the bathroom fixing their hair and they're about to steal the station wagon, uh, there's a the bathroom door is spray painted with O P E P O E, which is a you know uh, an homage to Doctor Strangelove. Um, How is that but, an homage to Doctor Strangelove? Yeah. Purity of essence. What are you talking about? Oh, God. oh. such a fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, podcasting is awesome and glamorous. Why would the Coen brothers put an homage to uh, a weird little moment in Dr. Strangelove in the bathroom only scene in Raising Arizona? Yeah. yeah, that doesn't sound like the Coen brothers I know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe it was just on the set. Maybe they just they were on location and it was there and they couldn't they couldn't paint over it. Oh, like it was just part of the this, the place they were shooting. It, it was just ambient, already pre-existing. Okay, could be. Exactly, huh. like Big Gray Pussy. <laughs> Speaking of which... Dingus, what is your number one yeah, example of oh. graffiti? Oh, no, Kelly Wan, did you have more to add there? I thought well, I was tell you when uh, They couldn't hurt lizards, they said, the Coen brothers on the movie, or the animal people like stationed there would get mad at them but they had like a big uh pit of babies that they could just scoop babies out of any time and then put in the cribs and they found that an interesting contrast they weren't hurting the babies though what why is no, that- I, but no one gave a shit about the babies what i don't no, believe no one, that they didn't have anyone standing by the baby pit and just they were tapping ashes on the babies what right. <laughs> I, I, believe, I don't believe i believe I believe Dingus's bit about a Kubrick homage before I believe that there were unattended babies on the set of Raising Arizona. I'm embellishing <laughs> the part that there's more than one Cohen. <laughs> Dingus, what is your number one choice of graffiti? You picked this uh, topic. I'm guessing this is what inspired the topic. What do you got for us? Better than 28 Days Later, better than Fight Club. This is what inspired the topic. Uh, the one I'm choosing from this movie, there's a couple I really like, but the one I'm choosing is this. Last one to die, please turn out the light. <laughs> I think that might be from this. This might be what I thought the director's commentary thing was referring to, and what I thought you must have watched to inspire this. Are the initials of this movie C O M? Y E S. So I think I thought there was one point in the Children of Men commentary where somebody said something about. Like they, there was something they they let the production designer write something in the background, but maybe it's not Children of Men. So what what is the bit you're talking about in Children of Men, Dingus? Well, the this particular moment, and this is what inspired it because I watched it last week. Um, for last week, so it was my number three for uh, last week's three by three. That's cheating. Um, going. And so many different ideas. Oh, man, I love watching Children of Men. Uh, oh, that's such a great movie. Um, uh, so many different topic ideas come, came out of watching it, and this was the the first one. It's um, what's Clyde? Is his name Theo? Yep. Okay, Theo's on a train right before he meets Michael King, and um, he's just sort of zoning out. And these uh, activists or whatever they are, the, the poor people are throwing shit at the train, and it jar- jars him out. And he looks over, and there's this billboard that says something like. Um, avoiding fertility tests is a crime. I'm not sure what that is. But the very next billboard is this graf- the, this graffito, which is last one to die, please turn out the light. And I just loved seeing that. Um, and this is, uh, this is just him looking at that thing, and that's all it is. And then he meets Michael King. Dad, come on, I wish I could remember what the commentary track was that I'm trying to remember because it's not that. It was, it was like something written in a, on a wall behind two characters talking, and it was just something about how women are going to rule the world. And I, ah, rats. Yeah. I don't know what it's yeah. from. So, Children of Men has so many great like payoffs, like as far as like paying attention to things like text right. crawls on screens and T-shirts and whatnot. Uh, it's just this great meticulous production. Unlike Green design. Hornet. Unlike Green Hornet, yeah. 
<laughs> there's a, there's another one in the movie um, as well, uh, and it's a it's a Banksy piece um, when he goes to see Danny Houston at the Arc of Arts, uh, Art of the Arcs. What, I don't know what what that place is called, but when he goes to see Danny Houston, one of the pieces that they're preserving when he gets out of the car is this chunk of concrete behind him of two British policemen kissing each other, and it's a Banksy piece. Um, so oh, I like what? that one too. Oh, what? Banksy? I don't know what you're saying. Who's Banksy? Isn't that the name of the cat? Graffiti alien? guy. Oh, Banksy's the famous That's Jonesy, uh, you philistine. <laughs> <laughs> Banksy's the famous graffiti guy. He like exits through the gift shop guy. Ah, uh, okay. And you see, you see a couple of his pieces in. That's in, awesome. But the one in the background when uh, when um, Theo is going to see uh, is, is Danny Houston his cousin. Um, but when he's going to see him, you see that's one of the pieces they're preserving. It's two cops kissing each other. That's awesome. I love that, Dingus. It's heartwarming, too. But the one I like is, is that writing when he's on the train. I just love seeing that. It just it, It's just jarring for me, and I know it was jarring for him to see it, but he's also having shit thrown at the train. All right, good. So number one. You're not allowed to do yeah. that movie anymore for a week. You can't okay. do it every week. Well, I, I can't promise that until I hear Tom's new topic. I don't think... Well, you know what? Yeah, maybe this uh, next week's 3x3, we'll have a space for children of men. We'll see. But before that, let's do some runners-up. I'm going to give you guys a line from a movie that has one of my runners-up for favorite graffiti. Ready for this? Uh. I don't know if I... I'll try to do it in the accent. Who fucks arses? Maybe he fucks arses. Oh, that's a great one! Maybe he came in here and scrolled us in a moment of drunken sincerity. <laughs> There's a bit of Withnail and I where Paul McGann is taking a leak after he's been accosted and called a perfumed punce. Uh, <laughs> there's something on the wall about so-and-so oh. fucking arses, and he's sitting there, it's his voiceover while he's taking a leak, and he's imagining that maybe the guy who called him a perfumed punce will, in fact, bugger him. I think that's what they call it in England back then. What's a uh, punce? You are <laughs> perfumed punce! <laughs> you know what? That does sting. I don't even know what it means. Yeah, see? See? Right see? see how you feel? Uh, isn't a ponce just like a, a poofter? Or a, I don't know. It's like an effeminate man, I'm assuming. Because, yeah, doesn't it? Why? Because he is perfumed. Doesn't he spill perfume on him for some reason? Or it's just part of a, a string of just random gags that, are, that, that populate the early, middle, and late part of With Nail and Die. Uh, he does, but or do they try to drink perfume? There's some reason why he's he smells like perfume. Yeah, yeah. And it's after the best dialogue ever written. I can't believe you picked Life of Brian over that. How dare you? Well, is it? I mean, I I guess it, it's not the graffiti that I care about. Like I like the graffiti is is the substance. Well, you know what? You're right. Maybe I should sub in with Nail and I. Yeah. But just hearing I... that dialogue in his head when he's standing there at the urinal. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, and and no one mentioned Jaws because I guess that was sort of placed on the table conspicuously oh. last week. But, you know, that's okay. Wait, which one? The uh, um, Sharks. What's it, is it? The is vandalism it? of the shark fin on the billboard. Yeah. Uh, no, but what is it? Doesn't it say something? Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. Shit sandwich? <laughs> no, that's no, no it just right. says, like, welcome to Amity, and there's the girl supposed to be, like, swimming, and they put, a, like, a maybe a, a dialogue bubble where she screams maybe above it, and then there's the shark in the water. Like the shark fin in the water? I don't remember the specific graffiti. All I know is that when you, they catch those kids, they better hang them up by their Buster Browns. <laughs> you think Quint did the graffiti? 
just to like get his price. Uh, Clint Quint's uh, drawing on the the chalkboard is arguably graffiti. Could you say? Right. Would you accept that one, Kelly Warren? He did uh, the billboard one with his nails too. <laughs> uh, other runners up for uh, graffiti. Turk one eighty two because <laughs> it's topical. Very good, Kelly Wand. <laughs> Tell me, the, like, I wrote a script once. Tell me if this, you think this is funny or dumb. Where okay. these kids were in the White House, there's like these skateboard punks, and they used um, suntan body paint to erase the mustaches from the presidential portraits. <laughs> is that too metaphysical? <laughs> a joke. What's this called? It, I think it only works if you hear the noise of the nozzle. You um, know what, Kelly One, I can tell you right away, that's better than anything I saw in Dark Shadows. See? I know. Dark Shadows didn't try. <laughs> At least you tried. Yeah. Yeah. Dingus, any runners-up for you? Other than the Raising Arizona one, just 12 Monkeys. Ah. Uh, What's the 12 Monkeys graffiti? I feel like I should remember this. It was about, it was of 12 Monkeys, and it was a red it, herring. Well, there's the, the symbol, but there's also um, Madeline Stowe. Uh, spray paint something outside the uh, offices of Brad Pitt that, that says, is, is this where the virus came from, essentially? And, and as she's leading Bruce Willis away, he looks at it and goes, I know that. And then she leaves the phone message, and then he knows it by heart because it's in his history. Right. So what, then they shouldn't go to the airport. What the fuck's wrong with them? It's always going to happen in a time loop movie, Kelly Wan. No. Fall apart somewhere. time loop. I don't... If if you if it was like your death or the universe comes apart, wouldn't you just go? Well, <laughs> I guess what? it's just as well I'm not in charge of these things. Kelly Wan, did you not see Cabin in the Woods? Wait, I did not not see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, are you guys ready for next week's three by three? I don't know how to. Yes. I don't, I don't know are how to... we? All right, uh, we've all seen Troy in this podcast, right? Kelly Wan, have you seen Troy the movie? I've seen the country. Well, you may need to see the. You know what, Kelly? You've seen an X Men movie. So, uh, in in X Men, at one point, whether it's um, Michael Fassbinder or is it Ian McKellen who's Magneto? In the other one, it's anyway. At some point, Magneto puts on a hat and it looks ridiculous. Um, and I feel like that's an instance of fidelity. Of, no, no. Well, fidelity maybe, but it's an instance of silliness triumphing. Like I, I can't get past that hat. Uh, it's not triumphing, though. Is that what you, what you mean? I feel like it's silliness is prevailing over other things that are going on in the movie. At this point in the movie, the silliness of Magneto's hat is distracting me from other things in the movie. Uh, and the same, oh, thing, the same thing happens with, with Brian Cox's wig in Troy. Like That's another example where Brian Cox is, is at odds with the wig, and the wig wins. The silliness prevails. Uh, another example of this is any time where Harrison Ford has to do an accent. The silliness wins. He just can't bear up when it when it's him competing with his own bad accent. The bad accent wins. What if it's a Corellian accent? How does that sound? Could you do that for me? Uh, I know. <laughs> I did his writing too. This is a two for. You're welcome, America. That was a, that was a great reading of that line, Kelly Wand. <laughs> what line? Uh, another example of of silliness prevailing. We saw a few of these in uh, uh, Dark Shadows. Chloe Moritz is a werewolf. At that point, the silliness kind of wins. But but what I want from you guys is the opposite of that, where a movie, for whatever reason, triumphs over the silliness. 
something silly or ridiculous happens, but the movie can support it. It beats the silliness back. It beats it down, uh, and it triumphs over the silliness. Does that make any sense? Uh, sure. So, like Johnny okay. Depp's dance. Oh, yeah, Johnny Depp's dance. The silliness prevailed at right. that point. Yeah, that's the movie failing to beat the silliness. Exactly. So, what I want from you guys are three instances of right. the silliness being beaten. I, I, the only thing I could come up with, I wish I could be snappier with this, are just three triumphs over silliness. I don't know if that works. If maybe I can come up with well, something happier. Yeah. Lenny Reffenstahl directed that. Uh, Dingus, there's no. He, Kelly Wan's already been making fun of the Holocaust once in this podcast. Yeah. So are we going <laughs> to vote? How are we going to determine this? Because I, I would already vote uh, for X Men, uh, and you voted, and you used you know it what? as I, your. It's all it's all subjective, so it's whatever works for you. But I will take those off the table, uh, and, and that's a good example, Dingus. Like the silliness there did it prevailed for me, uh, but you were okay watching him wear that hat and not laughing at him. And part of what I'm thinking about, and you know what, I'll go ahead and take this off the table. The, the Avengers was full of that stuff for me. Where if I wasn't into the movie so much, boy, I would have just thought that was ridiculous. Uh, you know what, Loki's hat, for instance, I thought in Avengers. <laughs> I, I thought I thought the movie triumphed over the silliness of Loki's hat, partly because it acknowledged it. I mean, it disarmed it by having Iron Man's like uh, any time. It's either the hat or, or even the accent, like when uh, when Robert Downey Jr. makes fun of, of Thor's accent with the Shakespeare in the Park line, uh, when he calls him Point Break. Uh, you, you know, like that. Avengers did a great job of triumphing over silliness by acknowledging it and not pretending it wasn't silly. Reindeer games, yeah. Reindeer games, yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Dingus. Uh, so, for whatever reason, either you don't think it's silly, or maybe the the movie disarmed the silliness, or the actor was just so good, or, or whatever. I just want three triumphs over silliness. Do what you will. Nobody can call your choices invalid. This is one of those. Or whatever you come up with, you know yeah, what? That's what you come up with. Yeah, so okay. Shut the, the fuck excellent. up. This one will not have judges. It will not be scored. Everybody gets a gold star. So, wow. All right. So, nothing. Three triumphs over silliness uh, next week. Speaking of silliness. Yeah. Exactly on cue. (laughs) Let's go see Battleship. Hey. (laughs) I don't don't know. I I kind of, I I feel. I'm taking one for the team because the only reason I'm seeing that fucking thing is so I can write the opses for it. And I'm glad too, by the way. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, But I, you know, Dingus Uh and I. Dingus and I are willing to give Peter Berg, the director, a lot of slack, so uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I just feel, you know, I think it's over two hours, too. Like that's What? I know. It's like a two-hour, 15 They take minute. a 10-minute game. <laughs> that, are you that quick at Battleship, Kelly? Well, I, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> you ever, did you ever cheat and move your boats around? You think that'll be in the movie? Plus, it's also, it's like Battleship. First off, the saying of the game was, you sank my battleship. Right. And I didn't hear that line in the preview. They I did. did hear it in the Connect 4 movie that's coming out next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dingus claims, I think it's Dingus, claims that at one point the shots fired from the battleship are the actual pegs from the game. Dingus, didn't you try to tell J6. us? J6. Am I thinking of something else? No, the actual you, pegs. Do you think I've, I've ruined the only things about this movie? That would possibly give me any pleasure whatsoever by watching the previews. Ah, oh, you missing out. See, I've seen too many of the previews. I don't know. Yeah, because he didn't think he was going to have to see that. I know. Yeah, I, I thought Kelly I would. Kelly will 
think of something at the last. <laughs> Dude, we we had to watch that Roland Emmerich 2012 movie. I I don't uh, have. That's got five good minutes in it out of three hours. <laughs> what? I don't recall any of those minutes. No, what? I like when he's trying to drive his car out of L.A. That part's kind of funny. Oh, God, that was just such a tedious CG. Kelly Wan, you, not- of all people, should not be lulled in by just CG. I- Ugh, whatever. What else do I have? What are my other options? What am I going to get? You have Canada. You have Canada. You have Eva Green's red panties. You have uh, those two things right there. Speaking of Canada... <laughs> Oh yeah, I have a cananidote to close out the show this week, Kelly Wand. What's going on in Canada these days? All right, so um, this is more about me really than the than the state of Canada. But um, at work, if I turn in writing, they just go TLDR, which means too long, didn't read. So I was like, yeah, illiterate buffoons. So uh, then some weeks go by, and then I decided a couple, like last week to start writing a list of things to do on the weekend. Like, be organized, be a grown-up. And uh, so I wrote the list, and then I was looking at it the next day, and I just wrote TLDR on it, even though it was just for me, <laughs> and did nothing on it. Like, they, doing the list took it out of me. Now, Kelly Wand, I like that anecdote, but I feel like it could have occurred down here in Los Angeles. That's true. I, I, well, I, I hope next week you'll bring us more local flavor. Although I think Lena Dunham could direct that anecdote. Do you, know what he, do you know what he's talking about, Kelly Wand? No, I never Who's know. Lena Dunham? Why do I know that name? He acts like we're supposed to know. Too. I know, he does, and it makes me feel dumb. Idiots. Uh, Lena Dunham? Why does he have to be that guy? Why does he have to make us feel like... I know, what a jerk. Fucking asshole. Dingus, who's Lena Dunham? Uh, she's the... She's the girl who's directing girls that neither of you will watch. Oh, she was an innkeeper's. Right. So, yeah, so it's it's Dingus lording over us, the one show that he has watched that neither of us has seen. It's Once you see a couple episodes of that, you'll totally get why that anecdote could be directed by her. That's all I'm saying. All right. It must so, be annoying to know jokes that only you get. And then... It's not. It keeps me going. <laughs> I feel bad for Wendy. <laughs> me Dingus too. Friend yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, well, next, no... a little battleship, a little triumph over silliness. Uh, my name is Tom. Not, those are mutually exclusive, probably. <laughs> those, those, are, those are separate. They could go together. We'll see. We could be wrong. Peter Berg's a genius, according to Tom, <laughs> thanks to Hancock. Kelly Wan and Rundown, the Rundown. That's not and, genius. Really? What about Very Bad Things? Eh, that's kind of good. Okay. The and, rundown's uh, all right. It's just gee, gee, people say. I mean, Zack Snyder's a visionary genius. Uh, like Tim and, Burton probably thinks he's a genius. That's annoying to me. Isn't yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm just so over. I, 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 after tonight, I don't think I will give a single thought to Dark Shadows. It's just like in one ear, out the other. If you ask me about that movie a month from now, I will be. Did that come out? Uh, that's just, it's a non-entity for me. It was I, a summer movie, too. Like, all right, get ready for the big Johnny Depp explosion of the summer. Well, speaking of summer movies... What? Battleship. <laughs> that's, that's a big I know, movie. right, yeah, the bar is pretty... <laughs> is a, guy, a guy struck up a conversation about Dark Shadows with me at the urinal. I can't stand it. Wait, wait, what did he say? He's like, what'd you see? <laughs> <laughs> Really? Did, did you Why read the movie? Yeah, is it someone yeah. that you were there with? Was or John Travolta? 
No, it was actually I, I knew who it was because he's this douche who was sitting in front of me with his girlfriend. Oh. And everybody in the movie theater was about 20 years older than I am. Um, I don't know. I walked in. I'm like, what is going on in here? And and he was the guy who was talking to other people that he didn't know as if he knew them, which is something I usually do, including the guy, the usher. He's like, hey, Dylan, have you seen it? Uh, and so this guy then you the usher's name? strikes up a conversation with me at the urinal. I'm look, I, you know, He really wants to know what everybody's doing. He's like, what'd you see? And I, and I, I was so confused. I actually said dark souls. <laughs> That's not a bad twist to the story. Is more get said at the urinal? Yeah. I mean, yeah he says, oh, was it? okay. Dark yeah. shadows. How'd you like it? And oh, God. I don't like to talk about it afterward, but I said, I hated it. He goes, oh, that's too bad. Um, how'd she turn into a vampire at the end? Oh. <laughs> we should get him on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it, did you get your new friend's phone number? Yep. <laughs> well, he, wrote, he wrote it on the wall up head. He, yeah, goes, he, <laughs> he scrawled it in a moment of drunken sincerity. That's lovely. Uh, uh, all right, so uh, next like week. dad in Raising Arizona a little bit. What you see? We'll have uh, we'll have Urinal Man uh, on to discuss <laughs> Battleship and uh, triumphs over silliness. Uh, I am Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Mor- Mor- Morowski. Christian Morowski. And Kelly Wand. Maybe he didn't mean the movie. Out from his coffin, Drax's voice did ring. Seems he was troubled by just one thing. Opened the lid and shook his fist and says, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? I don't understand that. It's now the monster match. Like, is it Because there were a bunch scary? of monsters in the movie. I know, but there's yeah, that, like, like, would dance to that. The actual song? Yeah. Well, this is all they. This is the only music they had back in the '40s or whatever. Why? This is, it's historical. Because they didn't understand good dance music back then yet. But you had like, there's only one kind of dance you can do to that song, and it's just that night. To this song? Yeah. Where you're like, I'm not gonna dance. So dance, dance to this kind of get up and here. Stand up and demonstrate for us. Let's see. That's hot. I don't. Shake I'm that not gonna make stand up to dance. <laughs> Fuck that. That's not how I roll. I gotta be in a desk chair. That's how I learned at ballet school. It's gotta be sweet. Oh, here's the best part. Listen. I like. Was this part of your actual record collection? Yeah, I'm playing this on vinyl. Isn't that awesome? Wait, what's the B side? I never. I, I never understood why a mummy was part of the same group. Kelly Wand, you're on fire. Oh. Ah. <sighs>